The deeper Christian life is no deeper than that of the clear teaching of God's Word. It is not a mystery withheld from anyone, but made known to all who will listen and obey. Thanks for joining us for the Bread of Life. May Christ lead you deeper into Himself today as together we explore God's Word. Now here's our teacher, Joel Van Hoogen. Again, we're slowly letting sink in the idea of God as holy. We're not rushing. We're gazing at His face and searching out the beauty of His holiness. Thanks for joining us in this journey. If you're listening for the first time, this message will help you catch up to where we are in discovering holiness. Well, we've been considering the holiness of God, and we've noticed that there are some paradoxes that are set forward when you consider the holiness of God. We've seen that the holiness of God, and I'll be emphasizing this throughout our message this morning, but that the holiness of God separates Him from all people. It removes Him from all people because the holiness of God is His complete and utter otherness. And at the same time, this very holiness that in a sense separates him from people, where it removes him from people and it actually repels people from his presence. This same holiness reaches out to people and invites them and draws them towards himself. The holiness of God brings his wrath upon people as the light of his holiness exposes their sin and reveals the judgment that they are under. And at the same time, this same holiness that exposes our sin and delineates the judgment that we're facing and that we're under, this same holiness brings to us or reveals to us and makes a way for us to realize God's redemption and God's salvation. That same holiness that is a burning fire that would consume us, that same holiness can be conferred upon individuals so that they are made holy. God alone is holy, but God gives His holiness to those things that He wants to bring into His presence. So that very holiness that's destructive and can consume and destroy us also is a holiness that can enwrap us and protect us and draw us into His presence. It drives us back in fear. It brings us near in hope, and it's God's holiness. We've found that defining the holiness of God leaves us groping. The holiness of God leaves our intellects and our imaginations behind, and it's like this infinite, unchartable ocean ahead of us that the outreaches of it and the depths of it will never be able to fully comprehend. The holiness of God is, and I've been trying to find definitions that would somehow express this. Here's a new one I think that, I don't think I've mentioned this one. Here's a new one I think is helpful for you. The holiness of God, I've said this, His perfect, infinite, inconceivable or unconceivable otherness, but it is also the coalescence of all of his other perfections, all of the essential expressions of his attributes, all drawn together in one. It is the coalescence of his perfections of power and wisdom and love and justice, of immutability and omnipresence and infinitude and eternity, all drawn together in one super attribute of holiness. The Bible reveals God's holiness in the encounters that men have in meeting God, in those moments in which they become suddenly aware that God is there. It happened to Jacob. Jacob said, I am full of fear for God was in this place and I knew it not. It's when people realize that God is present. 
Oftentimes in that moment, what God does is God reveals himself to them as fire. And their reaction tells us something of the holiness of God because in those moments they fall on their faces as though they're dead or they cover their eyes or they cower or they cry out in amazement and dread. And Here again, we see this very thing we're referring to. The very holiness of God, when it's revealed, drives us back from him. So when Moses came to the burning bush and was approaching, God spoke out and said, Moses, stop and stay away and take your shoes off because you are standing on holy ground. Don't come any nearer and... You know, we have these paintings that people have had, and I'm sure they're trying to give us perspective. They want us to know that Moses was drawing near the holiness or the revelation of the holiness of God, and you usually see a burning bush, and about three or four feet away is Moses. But actually, if we were to paint the picture, it would be this massive mountain with this burning bush, and then there's this little dot of an ant on the side of the mountain, and that's Moses not coming any closer before the presence of this holy God and As Moses saw it, Moses were told, covered his eyes because he didn't want to look upon God. He was afraid to look upon what was before him. So God says to Moses, Moses, stay back because you're on holy ground where God is revealing his holiness. God actually said to Moses later on when the people of Israel came, I believe, back to the same mountain. God came upon the mountain and then he said to Moses, don't let any living thing come upon this mountain or they'll be consumed, they'll die. Not only that, when Moses saw that holiness of God, it says Moses covered his eyes. He himself responded. He couldn't come near it. When the people saw God and heard God coming upon the mount, the people cried out to Moses, Moses, don't let God speak to us or we'll die. God says, don't come near. They can't come near or they'll die. The people say, don't let them speak or we'll die. The absolute otherness of God. The author of Hebrews puts it this way. Our God is a consuming fire. John wrote it this way. The apostle of love wrote it this way. That God dwells in unapproachable light. Stephen Sharnock, who was basically a Puritan, wrote a series of books uh, on the existence and attributes of God. Probably his best work in the whole work is his work on the holiness of God. And even as you read it, you realize that as well as we are groping to understand what this holiness means. But there, Sharnock says that The love of God is God's heart, but the holiness of God is God's face. It's God presenting his face to us. It's kind of an interesting thing. Because in Exodus chapter 33, verse 20, Moses asked God to reveal himself to him, and God responds to Moses and says, You cannot look at my face, for no one can see me and live. Moses, you can't can't absorb an unmitigated view of my holiness or it will destroy you. I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock, God said. I'm going to put my hand, I'm going to put a covering over that cleft and then at just the right moment when I am coming by, I'm going to give you a glimpse of the backward side of me, just a glimpse of myself moving away from you and I'll make myself known to you. But that's all that you're going to be able to handle, Moses. Again, throughout the Bible, the holiness of God appears to men And it appears to men holding men back away from him for their own safety's sake. Stay back. I'm dangerous. My holiness is awesome and dangerous. Now here's the interesting thing in all this that we've considered. Although this is all true, when we face the holiness of God, when we find ourselves being drawn towards God and brought into a point of just overwhelming fear of the magnitude of all that God is, That's the starting point at which God begins to lead us into salvation and redemption. 
It's when we see God and who He is and we fall before Him and we cry out in desperation and we realize that He's not to be someone who is trifled with in any way and that all of our constructs of God are just idols we've created for ourselves but that God is real and profound and powerful and we meet Him and we cry out in desperation before Him. It's then that God begins to condition our hearts to be in a place where He can redeem us. Remember, God's word says God dwells in a high and holy place and in the contrite and broken spirit or heart. And God, to draw near to us, brings us to a point of breaking. And we considered this in the life of Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 6 last week. There, Isaiah has this overwhelming vision of the holy God with the angels worshiping before God and the angels, the holy angels themselves being afraid to look upon God, covering their feet so that they might not endure the blaze of the fiery look of God upon themselves, covering their eyes so that they might not glimpse through and see the fire of God themselves, flying about in the discomfort, you might say, and uneasiness of the intensity of the holiness of God, speaking over and over again the one thing that is overwhelmingly impressed upon them, holy, holy, holy. By the way, the word means unconceivably other, unconceivably other, unconceivably other. We don't know what to say. We have no word to say. We have no word to say. We have no word to say. What is before us in this potent, powerful God? Isaiah sees this vision of God and he sees the angels themselves in restless Worship in the presence of God, and in that moment, Isaiah, seeing God and facing the holiness of God, sees himself, and it is devastating. Isaiah cries out, woe is me. I'm found out. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. We mentioned this last week. The Lord Jesus himself said that out of the abundance of a person's heart, a person speaks. In other words, what comes out of your mouth reveals what's in your heart, and Isaiah sees the Lord, and he says, In my heart is sin and wickedness and uncleanness and it's pouring out of me. Woe is me. A man of unclean lips. My heart is unclean. I know it now and God knows it now because I'm found out before His presence, His holy presence. And in that moment, in that devastating moment in which Isaiah thinks everything has come to an end, And his life has come to an end. And that very moment as he faces the holiness of God and he has no answers but a desperate cry of, I'm done. I'm finished. The ESV has, I'm lost. Everything's lost to me. In that moment, God comes to Isaiah in redeeming power. God comes and brings to Isaiah the holy coals that represent the fire of God's holiness receiving a sacrifice made in his place. God instruction has those coals laid upon the lips of Isaiah. And in that moment, Isaiah is told, your sin has been forgiven and your iniquity has been purged and washed away and you're clean. When you encounter the holiness and the complete otherness of God and you face up to it, God reveals to you your own sin. He brings upon you an overwhelming sense of devastation. And you cry out and you think life is over. And it's just then that life is beginning. It's then that God reveals himself as a redeemer. The same holy God as your redeemer. He's the one who would transform you and cleanse you and purge you. And he does it because in his holiness he sent his son Jesus Christ sinless to die in your place for your sins. 
That coal from the altar represents the life of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for you. The holy sacrifice of a Savior dying in your place comes and is received by faith as you cry out in desperation. Isaiah never forgot this. Isaiah, after this moment, says, God, I'm going to go and I'll be a messenger for you of this message. And I believe this is Isaiah's primary message. It's this message of salvation that comes to individuals who face up to the holiness of God and see their sin and confess it. And so Isaiah develops a way of referencing to God that is unique to Isaiah, and he carries it everywhere he goes as a part of his message. And the way he refers to God to the people is this, and you'll find it eight times in the book of Isaiah. He speaks to Israel of your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. This Holy One, this completely other one, is the one who also redeems you. Your Redeemer, the one who rescues you and saves you, the Holy One of Israel. And Isaiah doesn't forget it. By the way, I don't know if we went into this last week very much, but it's important for us to understand what redemption means for a moment. It's a word that's repeated oftentimes in Scripture. It basically means deliverance from sin, or it can mean freedom from captivity or slavery, or it can mean the reclaiming into fruitfulness of something that was barren, land that was forsaken and barren being brought into fruitfulness. All this Isaiah realized having come before the Holy God and confessing his utter sinfulness. The very thing he confessed before that Holy God was taken away and he was redeemed. There is life for a look at the Holy God. Thanks for listening to the Bread of Life. To learn more, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, God bless you.